I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2018 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. Today's program, Exploring the Perception versus Reality of Autonomy in Ag, looks at some of the opportunities and obstacles to bringing driverless vehicles to commercial farm fields. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll make an effort to get it added. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. I also encourage you to mark your calendars. Plan to attend the upcoming Dealership Mind Summit, July 24th and 25th in Iowa City, Iowa. The theme of this dealer-only event is intelligence-driven marketing and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit dealershipmindsummit.com for more information and speaker updates. Well, ask someone in agriculture what comes to mind when they think of autonomy, and they'll likely say a driverless tractor. But many experts in precision farming say that simply removing the farmer from the cab may not be the best purpose or pathway to full autonomy. Taylor Bybee, software engineer at Autonomous Solutions Incorporated, based in Petersboro, Utah, has spent the last three years refining machine automation in ag, working on perception systems and obstacle avoidance sensing. Working on bringing autonomy to reality in several industries, ASI is collaborating with ag manufacturers on development of autonomous tractors. It's an incremental process, Taylor says, but one which is moving forward one unmanned acre at a time. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from my recent conversation with Taylor, who discusses the current state of autonomy in ag, how the industry is bridging the perception versus reality gap, and the equipment dealer's role in introducing and supporting the advanced technology. I've been with uh, Autonomous Solutions, ASI for short, um, for about three years, right out of college. I studied signal and image processing in college, and uh, that's been most of my focus at ASI in the sense that we deal with uh, the signals and images coming from LiDAR, camera, radar. Um, I've also helped uh, with some of the navigation and control problems uh, with our autonomous vehicles. And the markets at ASI that I've been primarily on have been the agriculture and military projects that we do. So tell us a little bit about the company itself and, and what you guys do. So ASI is uh, specializes in automating uh, vehicles and we partner with both OEMs and with uh, end users that typically have enough cash flow to fund autonomous development. And our autonomous vehicle kit, we can uh, retrofit it uh, to make it an uh, OEM agnostic solution or we can integrate it in with uh, OEM hardware and software. Uh, we do both drive-by-wire and we also have uh, brake and throttle and steering actuators to get around those vehicles that don't have drive-by-wire capabilities. ASI spun off of uh, Utah State University uh, approaching 20 years ago, I think it was in 2001, by a group of researchers there. 
Our uh, CEO, Mel Torrey, has been uh, leading the company since then, and we've been in applications everywhere from agriculture, where we started, uh, and mining, uh, some smaller robotics, both indoor and outdoor, uh, military applications, and some specialty uh, one-off products. Mm -hmm. Autonomous vehicles, at least in concept, uh, have been around for, sounds like, almost 20 years now and, and with what your company has been working on. But now as we kind of see things come to more of a head, uh, especially in agriculture, there does seem to be kind of a perception versus reality uh, gap there. Maybe talk a little bit about, from your perspective, what we can do or, or what the industry is doing to kind of bridge that. Yeah, so the a lot of the technology is already present in agriculture. I mean, we've had uh, auto steering on tractors and other machinery for some time now. There's some additional steps that we need to take to remove an operator from the cab, both in agriculture and mining and, and military and other applications. I just think of everything that you do as an operator in the cab and and then realize that there needs to be a sensor and an associated algorithm to uh, process the data that will make those decisions just as a human would or, or ideally better than a human would. So there's all sorts of things uh, that need to be uh, developed to make this technology deployable to the end user. Now, the actual uh, control of the vehicle in terms of, of throttle and steering and, and guidance are relatively low-hanging fruit, and I think the technology is, is there to deploy things. But the big challenge that's left is monitoring the quality of whatever your tractor or, or other vehicle uh, of, the, of the task that it's performing. So there's, there's a gap there. Um, what happens when an implement breaks down or, or when something goes wrong and how do you safely uh, take care of that um, that's, that doesn't hinder the, the end user or the operation. We don't want a mining truck, to, for example, to go down for an hour and cost tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to the end user. So there's those sorts of things that, that we still have left to develop and I think it'll take some time for this to develop and, and maybe OEMs will take a, an incremental approach to autonomy where some function is, is added and eventually the operators taken out of the cab will be a small transition. Uh, how ready do you think the egg industry is for, for autonomous vehicles? Uh, I mean whether we're talking uh, and, and obviously, it's you know some of the OEMs, uh, some other companies that are, are kind of uh, you know leading the charge on these these developments. But uh, you know, thinking about uh, the farmer or or the dealer, and are, are they are they ready? You know, are they are they going to embrace this? Yeah, that's a really good question. From my experience, I believe that the dealers will be really gung ho about autonomous vehicles. Uh, they'll be able to, with the trend of Internet of Things and connectivity with vehicles. Uh, they'll be able to monitor how their clients are doing in the field and, and uh, work out maintenance uh, programs and, and things. As far as the farmers and, and other users of the vehicle, I think that there will be quite the cultural shift with autonomous vehicles. We see that with uh, auto guidance. There's some farmers who refuse to use it because they like to drive the tractor fully themselves. There's other farmers who will hop on 
uh, technologies that comes along and still others who will be apprehensive at first and then embrace it after they've seen that the technology is proven. And that's really the, the key part is OEMs will have to prove the technology to the farmers before they'll actually go out and buy it. There will be a big cultural shift uh, towards farming that will need to take place for farmers to realize that it's okay not to be in the cab once the technology is there. You mentioned uh, the service aspect uh, when we're talking about dealers. From uh, your point of view, it sounds like this is something they would be in favor of. Do you see with more autonomous technology there being higher level of maintenance? Do you see it as a lower level of maintenance? Is it going to be about the same? That's a very good question. From an engineering perspective, uh, since we'll have more sensors on board the vehicle, we'll be able to monitor more things and hopefully identify problems before they happen, which will obviously say, save uh, time and, and money. But then again, with more sensors, there's more opportunities for sensor failures. So it's, it's really how reliable uh, engineers can get the components to be depending if, uh, with the end result being more or less than what current maintenance requires. So I guess in answer to your question, I don't know what, the, what it will be. It's one of those things where we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, it will uh, be less maintenance, but there, there might be a possibility that the maintenance will be uh, different and we'll be able to maintain vehicles before they break down better. Mm-hmm. One of the themes that certainly emerged here in some of the uh, the sessions at the event here is the need for collaboration uh, and partnership on a lot of these uh, advancements. Um, and, and I'm guessing, you know, particularly with, with autonomy, what are you seeing uh, as kind of the role that a dealer might play in this equation? I mean, obviously you have the engineering side, you have the manufacturing side. Um, there's certainly probably even a, a little bit of a, an agronomic element in there too, but uh, when you're talking about kind of delivery, uh, ultimately, you know, of these products and, and supporting them uh, and, and even the training aspect, uh, which I'm sure will, will be part of this as well. How do you see that kind of coming together if, if you know, you're a dealer right now, a precision specialist, uh, you know, within an, an OEM dealership or an independent, you know, what should they be thinking about at this point? Well, obviously, um, they need to maintain a good relationship with the end user so that the farmer will trust them when new technology comes out. They need to become very familiar with uh, the new technology and probably be some of the first to adopt um, the technology so that they become familiar with it. I envision, uh, at least from my limited perspective, that uh, dealers uh, will probably take a slightly larger role than than present just because with uh, autonomous vehicles, there will be more interconnectivity between the, the vehicles and the farmer, but also with the farmer to the dealer. And uh, then back to the OEM, the dealers will may even have be able to um, set up programs to where, that they, where, where they can rent autonomous vehicles to uh, smaller farmers who can't afford them. So it might open up uh, more markets for the dealers in that sense as well. So there, there definitely could be kind of a, a model shift in, in kind of the, the delivery or even the leasing of equipment today uh, and, and how that might change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the idea of leasing at, uh, autonomous equipment will help farmers get used to it. Um, it will help uh, dealers get used to the, the changes that come with the autonomous equipment. And there, with the leasing program, it, it will lower the cost of entry into autonomy. 
Interesting. Interesting. Uh, well, one of the uh, one of the comments that came up today, uh, or or here at the event, was an interesting quote that was shared about kind of uh, bringing um, autonomous vehicles to reality, and that uh, you know ninety nine percent of it uh, is is very easy and, and achievable, but the ninety nine point nine 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 percent is is the more difficult aspect. What do you see as needing to be done with getting to that point where this is kind of ready, and and you know maybe beyond that, just the obstacles you know that we're facing right now in the egg industry or, or any industry to to bring this to reality. The most important thing in engineering, in terms of uh, engineering development and, and uh, getting something product ready, is validation of the technology. The uh, research and development side, they can work on getting the, the hardware and software and sensor processing algorithms to a state where it will perform well, um, but it really is a question of validation to make sure that things not only work 99% of the time, but 99.9999% like you said. So the validation of the algorithms will be the difficult part. And there's active research out there in the literature that um, because people are starting to realize this, they're they're seeing gaps of where artificial intelligence and machine learning and advanced signal and image processing algorithms, they see gaps between uh, where they are and where they need to be for deployment in terms of validation. So number one obstacle, I think, will be validation of the systems. Looking beyond, I mean, obviously uh, another uh, topic that comes up when, when you're talking autonomous vehicles is the obstacle sensing and, and obviously uh, you know the potential liability that comes with that and, and some of the differences were contrasted with uh, you know how this will relate to say the consumer automotive industry versus the agricultural industry. Talk a little bit about some of the variables that, that are being taken into account when, when we're talking about being able to prevent some of that uh, when it comes to the testing and, like you said, the validation. Yeah, so the big difference between highway autonomy and agricultural autonomy is, is the types of environments uh, in which the vehicles will be operating. Highway autonomy will typically be on a street. It will be pedestrians, bicyclists, other vehicles, and, uh, and a few other things, street signs and, and traffic rules. So all these different companies that are doing highway autonomy have that environment to deal with. And of course, there's exceptions to that, of course. Uh, there's you know, gravel roads and roads with no markings and, and things like that. But for the most part, their environments are those streets and, and uh, roads. As any farmer will know, Environments in which agriculture consists of vary from feeding cows in, in five feet of snow with, with, uh, in a blizzard uh, to tilling large acre farms to being in a vineyard or orchard or a vegetable crop. The, the environments are just so varied that autonomy will likely be rolled out incrementally for those applications just because a single technology won't be able to take care of all of the different applications and environments. There's an obstacle, uh, sensing an obstacle uh, through a vineyard or an orchard is a different environment than sensing an obstacle in a large flat field, which is really illustrates the types of things that we need to 
be aware of when we do our sensor selection. Uh, sensor selection, we typically use ultrasonics, cameras, LIDAR and radar for obstacle detection. And each of those technologies have different strengths and weaknesses in the different agricultural environments. So th there's going to be perhaps different software packages or modules that are enabled for autonomous vehicles for different applications. And just to, to make a note about the sensing physics, there's no silver bullet to autonomous vehicle sensing. So there will likely need to be some sort of sensor fusion which in incorporates the LIDAR and radar and cameras and ultrasonics with the end goal of being able to model whatever you're doing um, as a, in, in your tasks uh, well. So maybe uh, LIDAR and radar might work really well for tilling a, a large open field, but you might need cameras and LIDAR uh, or other sensors for a vegetable crop or orchard or, or vineyard. There's lots of things to consider with those end applications, and one of the difficult things that we've seen is the fast changes in the sensing industry with LIDAR radars, cameras, and ultrasonics. There's new models come out fairly regularly with uh, improved specifications and improved price point. This is such a dynamic uh, industry that it's uh, we really need to keep up on these improvements. And, and I foresee that there will be big hardware upgrades on some of the autonomous vehicles, maybe not annually, but um, as new sensors come out that will be uh, that will improve vehicle behavior, farmers will certainly want to integrate those into their existing system. So when we're talking about uh, a realistic timeline here, I know there's a lot of speculation, I think, depending on who you talk to, uh, about you know when we might actually see autonomous vehicles in a cornfield, even uh, in a, a vegetable uh, operation. But what do you see from your perspective? I mean, what, what do you think we can expect? What's realistic? Yeah, that's a very good question. The technology is getting very close to having a good operation that can monitor quality of, of whatever the tractor's doing at the time. I mentioned before, but validation is really the, the big question. And how long will it take to validate these systems? And what sort of features will the initial system have? And uh, of that initial system, which features will be safety critical that will need the extensive validation? And then which features will be just bells and whistles that will improve vehicle behavior? So it's really hard to say, but the technology itself is getting mature. But as the technology matures, the validation will come into play. And then there will be the cultural aspect of farmers and dealers adjusting to the newer technology. So to put a number on it, I would guess that within the next decade, we'll definitely see things rolled out by the OEMs, but I think it will take several decades for uh, end users to totally adjust for the new culture of, of uh, self-driving tractors and, and other equipment. Well, thank you, Taylor, for taking time to chat with us and for some insight into the ongoing evolution of autonomous vehicles and agriculture. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. 
You can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free daily email update. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Finally, another reminder to join us at the upcoming Dealership Mind Summit, July 24th and 25th in Iowa City, Iowa. Again, the theme of this dealer-only event is intelligence-driven marketing and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit dealershipmindsummit.com for more information and updates. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on April 11th for the next episode in our 2018 podcast series and look for continuing coverage of our third Precision Farming Dealer Summit throughout the coming year. For Taylor Bybee, ASI, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.